This CosmicReality.com presentation is sponsored by MysticalWares.com. Welcome to the Metaphysical Martini Show, where wit and wisdom come together to bridge the gap between the spirit realm and the physical world. With Ani Avedisian, the Mad Shaman, a production of CosmicReality.com. Hello everyone, I'm Ani, Mad Shaman Avedisian. Welcome to Metaphysical Martini. Three part spirit, one part rational mind. Add two drops of optimism, give it all a good hard shake and pour, dress it with the olives of grace and empathy, sit back, sip slowly, and contemplate the wonder of cosmic co-creation. And a hearty hello to you all. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for joining me for yet another round of yummy cocktails on this week's Metaphysical Martini, the show that tries to sort out what's true, da-da-da-da, what's a woo, da-da-da-da, and what gets thrown down the loo in today's hypnotized, mesmerized, overly sanitized, plagiarized, intellect downsized, and morality pint-sized odd little world. We are not always successful, I'll admit to that, but on this show, the metaphysical martini show, we are on a bound to give it our best shot. And we do love the odd shot on this show, yes we do. In fact, my darlings, just for you, I'm going to have a little sip of today's carefully crafted cocktail just to make sure it is worthy of your attention. Hold on there. Oh, that is lovely. Mm. I like that very much. And you know what? We all need the odd little drinky poo in today's crazy world because we're all under some sort of spell. Well, not all of us. Some of us are awake. But for the most part, people are under some sort of strange spell. And it reminds me of something. Um, hmm. They've got you under their spell. They've got you entrenched in their narrative. So deep in their shit, you're really a part of it. And you don't know your brain from your tits. How they take you for fools and they plan to win, wrecking your mental health and stealing all your wealth. And the playbook's the same, cause you fall for their games and you should know better by now. But they've got you under their spell. Oh my God, what's that dreadful spell? Oh my God, it's so obvious, why can't you tell? And you can't tell, darlings, cause they've got you under their spell. Ah, oh, if you're joining us for the first time, that opening may well have put you off, but if it hasn't, a very warm welcome to you. Be advised, this show clearly is not politically correct because political correctness is a load of rubbish designed to erode the intellect. We martini heads, we value common sense, common courtesy and common decency. We value soul sovereignty above all else because choice, my darlings, is the cornerstone of a free society. 
And if we're going to make choices, we should be sure our minds are aligned with divine mind. Or if you don't like the word divine, cosmic mind. Same thing, really. Now, before we get on with this fabulous show, let's say a little thank you to the folks that make intergalactic distribution of this podcast possible. Mysticalwares.com in Mount Vernon, Washington. Dedicated to exploring both the known and the unknown, then helping provide the products and tools to expand your reach. Mystical Wares has a large and varied inventory and is the perfect spot for people who value illumination over indoctrination and for people who know the difference between propaganda and ashwagandha. Mystical Wares in Mount Vernon, Washington. If you are experiencing spiritual stasis, head to Mystical Ware, Mount Vernon's metaphysical oasis. Online or on location, you'll be sure to give Mystical Wares a standing ovation. And very nice people they are too. On today's show, we have... Whatever I come up with, I suppose, we have my thoughts, um, which are also known as primal pontifications, followed by quack, which is questions, answers, and comments. We also have tarot, a go, go. Um, and if we can fit it in, weird and wacky tidbits from the anus of history. Um, and if we can fit it in, a little poem. Um, and of course, darlings, my favorite part of the entire show, the cocktail of the day. But first, let me engage in some righteous pontification. Look around today and what do you see? Zombies, brain-addled zombies. Some might say, Arnie, is that too harsh a term? And I would say to them, no, I don't think so. You see, the more the population grows, the more disenfranchised it becomes. And our world is filled with people who have no meaningful close community relationships. Now, many people have online connections. In fact, most people have online connections, but that's not heart to heart, is it? Conversations, interactions are very different when you're in the same room. People talk crap to each other online, don't they? And they have become altogether far too comfortable with crossing the boundaries of common decency without getting punched in the face for it. There's no real soul-to-soul -soul connection there, just people ranting at each other, talking rubbish. And add two plus years of enforced and unethical lockdowns to that, and you have some serious mental health issues. Billions of humans drowning in pools of depression, anxiety, loneliness, frustration. And if we're honest, they have no idea where these feelings are coming from. And not being able to identify the source of their discomfort, that brings on more of the same, doesn't it? More depression more frustration, more anxiety, more loneliness. This is why we continually emphasize the need for a spirit-centered approach to life. Spirit-centered living does not look outside of itself for validation or for happiness. 
It knows that the entire cosmos is present at all times within its soul and therefore has everything it needs and can manifest anything on any realm of experiencing at any time and for any reason. If you're not living a spirit-centered life, your personality, that's the human part of you, will be disoriented. And a disoriented mind is easily captured, easily programmed, and very easily made part of the zombie hive mind. I'm not exaggerating when I say that every day someone asks me, Arnie, why did all these people fall for the greatest hoax ever perpetrated on mankind? Why could they not see the obvious? And every day I give the same response. These are frustrated, disoriented people who wish to blame their condition on something outside themselves. So let's think about it for a minute. Billions are wallowing in self-doubt and in depression and countless unprocessed emotions, loneliness, disenfranchisement being a major part of it. And there are many reasons for their conditions, but it can't be pinned on any one thing. And what does this do to the energy field? Well, I'll tell you. It creates a giant pool of neediness, a miasma of poor mental health, growing daily and feeding, gorging itself on mankind's misapprehension that the world is designed to work against the common good. And the same disenfranchised people are yearning for something to pin their frustrations on. They are worn down and they become feeble-minded and, and what that means, because that's not an insult, it means they're not motivated and they are unable to think for themselves. At a certain point, when you let that take a hold within you, self-esteem becomes so low it barely registers and life seems to have no purpose except eat, poop, pay some bills and sleep and then, you know, get up and do it all over again. You've got a very disenfranchised population. And along comes the COVID hoax. Attention, citizens, emergency, emergency. You now have a purpose in life to become useful idiots for the establishment. Your virtue signaling is required. You can help us fight this invisible and uh, non-existent enemy by projecting all of your fears onto it. Yes, folks, that's right. All that depression was because you knew it was coming, didn't you, you clever little people? And now that it's here, you can project all of your fears, all of your frustrations onto it. The hoax is your savior and redeemer. All praise the hoax. Blessed is the hoax, and atonement, my darlings, is easy. Just make life miserable for all the happy, sane people in the world, because in the new world order, there is no room for sanity or happiness. Beloved citizens, you are getting very sleepy. You will obey ridiculous, humiliating instructions and force others to do the same. The sane will not comply, of course, 
so you are required to mock them and, if necessary, assault them. No one needs to breathe. Breath is death. Attention, citizens, breath is death. And while we have your full attention, criminals are heroes. Heroes are criminals. You will own nothing and you will be happy. Just take your pills every day. Oh, no, 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 not the red ones, not the red ones. Please, no, don't take the red pills. They will wake you up from your slumber. Just take the blue pill, the blue pill. The blue ones will help you to sleep and be happy. Take the blue pill and do nothing. And while we have your full attention, Let's dig up events from decades ago and pretend they are still happening. Let's get all you government-sanctioned, mind-controlled automatons marching down the street yelling, Filipino flapjack maker lives matter. Come on, let's hear it. Filipino flapjack maker lives matter. FFJ, MLM, FFJ. M-L-M. Sing it with me, people. But wait, there's more. Buy into our bullshit at this great rate now and get these for free. Lando Lake's butter graphic is offensive to First Nations people. So let's remove the native denizen and just keep the land. Yes, that's better. Oh, and Aunt Jemima pancake syrup. Having an image of the syrup's creator is offensive. So let's remove her from the picture, because how offensive is it to acknowledge one of the earliest black American entrepreneurs? Folks, my darlings, no wonder I drink. We should never stop spreading the truth because it disrupts the hypnotic spell cast by the establishment perceptual engineers. Do not sit at home in silence waiting to see which side will win. Do not delegate your salvation. Do something every day to break the spell. And it is easier to think of it as a spell because that's what hypnosis is. A person under hypnosis is under a spell. And that is why many people whom we knew as friends for years now look at us in the same way as a deer stares at headlights. No matter how much evidence we collate and present to contradict the narrative they have willingly bought into, they will never engage with the truth until the spell is broken. Our constant contra-narrative may not break their spell, it probably won't, but it will disrupt the greater spell casting. And if enough people engage in daily disrupting, we can cut the hell we are going through and the inevitable tedious and possibly gory cleanup by several years. And that is a goal worth, you know, working towards. Every day, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this, I mean, every day someone calls me in tears because they've been told they cannot visit their grandchildren or some other family member unless they have accepted the mark of the beast. Every day I receive calls from people who have succumbed to serious life-threatening illness after accepting the mark of the beast. 
And every day I speak with someone who, having stuck to their core moral values, has been excluded from a group they were once part of. And to those people I say, you are the future of the human race. Stay centered in spirit. Never compromise your sovereignty. Do not pollute your minds or your blood by accepting a product designed to destroy your connection to all that is. The goal of the establishment has always been transhumanism to posthumanism, from organic to demonic. And the courageous, now there's courageous everywhere, to the courageous people who accepted the jab before they realized what it was and are now sharing their experiences, all glory, Lord, and honor unto thee. God is greater than any human construct and greater than any demonic construct. It does not have to be a death sentence. Don't wake up into this nightmare and go, oh my God, I killed myself. Because an illuminated soul will make the body whole. My darlings, what do we say to the God of the Cabal? Not today, O oh Dark One. Not today and not on any day. Well, I feel so much better for that pontification. Let's move on to quack questions, answers and comments. The reason we started the show to hear what troubles the minds of you, the people. Darlings, if you would like to share the contents of your fabuloso minds on this intergalactically acclaimed show, send your emails to me, Arnie, at arnieavidician.com or snail mail to Cosmic Arnie P.O. Box 714, Wilsonville, Oregon 97070, USA. And please let me know if and how you wish to be identified or you will be referred to as omit personal details. Time for a little sip of this exceptional drinky poo. Mmm, that is, oh gosh, that's good. Mm. Okay, let's shake up the fishbowl of perpetual perplexity and see what pops up. A shaky, 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 shaky. All right, our first email is from Galina. Zdravzute, Galina. Um, well, I mean, you know, you could be anything, really. I don't know why I'm assuming you're Russian. Anyway, Galina writes, Ani, you have much antagonism towards the gay community. Why is that? You make no secret of being gay, asking for a friend. Hmm. Galina, I do not. Let me give you my point of view on that. Um, I make no secret of it, but then again, I make nothing of it because it means nothing to me or to anyone else in my life. It's a non-thing. It is not a thing of interest. It does not define me, nor does it discombobulate me. I have no investment in anyone accepting or rejecting it. I have no interest in flaunting it or enshrouding it. It's irrelevant. It doesn't bother me. Ergo, it has never bothered anyone with whom I interact. And I marvel that people make such a fuss about it. I certainly don't see why we devote a whole month 
to a segment of society just because they like it up the arse. And for that matter, how does it make it more acceptable by prancing around wearing speedos and feather boas and making thrusting motions with your genitals while riding on your parade float or dressing up as a woman if you're a man in some sort of caricature of a woman but then having some sort of balloon phallus is part of that costume i mean that is hardly wholesome and it is hardly endearing and if you want acceptance for what you are um if that's what you are okay be it but i certainly would say to you you can't make people accept that i mean i've said this before and since you asked i'll say it again whatever because you know what people are going to hear whatever they want to hear i can sit here and tell you exactly how i feel and i can give you a m list of rational explanations but people are going to hear what they want to hear this is just my opinion whatever the gay movement is or isn't it seems to include a great many people with mental health issues and every year the initials for the people it's supposed to represent grows longer and longer and in my opinion more dysfunctional and more disturbing whatever folks feel they need to do is their business but know that millions of common and garden variety gay people are experiencing bigotry for the first time. Ordinary folks who just happen to be gay, but are not gender confused or pedophiles or into animals or into SM or any weird shit, are experiencing prejudice for the first time. How is that useful? It was always the cabal's plan to corrupt the world under the banner of faux, fake liberalism. And this push for bringing all matters sexual to the forefront, it's not about liberating anyone. It's about normalizing perversion, the type of perversion practiced by the cabal. And most people have no idea about the sexual rituals carried out by these evil, insane people. The cabal, of course, is what I'm referring to. So Galena, I can only speak for myself, but at no time have I ever needed or wanted my own initials or my own flag. I like the initials USA, and I am devoted to the American flag and to America's sacred purpose. This whole LGBTXYZ4 ampersand hashtag 789Q whatever movement, it's, it's rubbish in my opinion, it's rubbish. It's like BLM or Skunk Lives Matter or Armenian Pastry Mums Matter. In a spirit-centered world, my love, there is room for everyone to explore. Life is an exploration. We should always keep warm, open hearts and cool, open minds. But there comes a time when one has to put out a call for sanity. You don't talk to five-year-olds in school about gender and masturbation and sexual things. And there is no such thing as a minor attracted person. If you want to bonk a child, you have a mental health issue. And again, why would you be gender confused? Men have willies, women have vaginas. I'm, I'm not sure how much simpler it could be. We are having conversations right now about whether or not biological males should be allowed to compete in women's sports. That is not a subject that should even be up for debate. 
You want to talk about the hot new buzzword, mass formation hypnosis? That's it. That's a beautiful example of it. Parents taking their children to school and letting them watch sexually explicit drag shows. What are you thinking? What are you smoking? Insane thoughts create an insane world. Come on, people. WTF. You can't drink beer until you're 21 in this country, but you can choose your gender. And if your parents don't support that, your teacher will be your new mommy. Oh, I don't think so. No, Galena, I am not part of any groupthink, no matter how colorful it is. And this is not antagonism. This is just a call for sanity. You know, if you are part of that community and you think that this is all how you want to live your life, well, well, good luck to you, because who am I to tell you how to live your life? And who are you to tell me how to live mine? I will just say that how we feel about ourselves affects how others see us. If one is a little different from the norm and one is not at ease with it, one assumes there will be bigotry and that assumption creates attack thoughts. And as we know, thoughts become things. Align your mind with the divine and perhaps you won't need to march down the road holding up a sign. Thank you for the question, Galena, and uh, you can relay my answer to your friend because you were, of course, asking for a friend. Right, so moving on, let's take another email from the fishbowl. Shaky, shaky, shaky. What have I got? What have I got? This is from Well, it's going to have to be an omit because there's no permission. I have a friend who is up on the Illuminati. Ooh. And he says that since the children of the people who were jabbed with you know what are going to be sterile, as in unable to have their own children naturally, Al will produce. Oh, AI, sorry. AI will produce fake robot or digital children, which they will be able to rent monthly. Ani, have you heard anything about this? I need a drink for this one. Hold on. I'm going to have a little drinky poo. Hold on. Hold on. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> All right. I'm centered again. I don't discount the sterility. It's an excellent way of depopulating a planet over time without killing everyone at once, which would probably set up some red flags. So artificial intelligence, robot children. I confess I have not heard anything about this, but then again, doesn't it sound a bit like what were they called back in the 90s? I think they were called Tamagotchis and they were little pets you put on a keychain and, and you could care for them. Um, which, which is a very interesting idea. There is a difference, though, I'm going to have to say, Omit, between what you think are robot children and then you mentioned digital children. Um, and of course, I'm talking now as if I know what I'm talking about, which I don't. Um, but I think one would be an actual physical presence, which needs care 24-7. That would be the robot child. But digital is different, isn't it? I mean, it's something you can interact with, but I don't think it's necessarily a physical presence. You would need some sort of interface to interact with the digital monthly rented child, I assume. 
I'm better with tomato plants than I am with technology. Um, would these artificial intelligence children be programmed to a buyer's specification? Or will they be sort of a, a pret-a-poupée of, uh, you know, off-the-shelf items? I, I, what's the use for these things? Maybe couples considering having a baby could try the robotic experience first and see how they do. I don't doubt such things are in the works because you have no idea what's going on behind your backs, but I have no reliable intel to share with you. But rest assured, I'm going to have to say you have piqued my interest and I will look into this. OK. Moving on, what else has made its way into the fishbowl of perpetual perplexity this week? Oh, this is from Glenn and Glenn says, I am open minded but the existence of alien races is a bridge too far. Has anyone seen an ET? How do we know that reptilians exist? What about Arcturians? Has anyone ever seen one? Glenn, when it gets dark, look up at the night sky. Do you see all those twinkly things up there? What do you think they are, darling? Christmas decorations? Illuminated Burma shave signs? The sky is literally dusted with twinkles. And some of those are planets. Our solar system has eight planets. I still mourn Pluto. I do, but I'll go with eight. But that's just our solar system. The Milky Way galaxy, our mother galaxy, is huge. And we live in just one of its thousands of star systems. And that's billions of twinkles and some of those millions, perhaps trillions of planets. And we have to assume a goodly portion of those are inhabited by some sort of sentient life form. And beyond that, there are other universes and more stars and more planets. I don't know if we have the technology to see beyond that. Maybe we do, but I know they're out there. Um, but either way, seriously, Glenn, what are the odds that our planet is the only one with higher intelligence on it? And in answer to your question, has anyone ever seen one? Yes, people have seen and interacted with off-world beings. The government, of course, has done its best in modern day to keep such encounters hidden from the public. But thanks to the Freedom of Information Act, much has been declassified. So why don't you dig around a bit and see what you can find? There are recorded ET visitations and interactions in the Western world as far back as the 10th and 11th centuries. And if you go to Asia, it goes back much further than that. But thanks for the question, Glenn. Um, really just, you know, take a look up there one night and go, I'm not the only one, right? I mean, surely it can't just be us. God help us if we are the only ones. We have time for a couple more, I think, of these questions. Um, we'll see. I never know how to time this because all the questions are different. This one is from Esme, who writes in from time to time. Hello, Esme, dear. And Esme says, dear Arnie, is it true that reptilians can change their shape? And if it is true, why would they do that? Uh, Esme, it is true. Not all of them can, but some of them can and they do. As to why, well, simply so that they can do whatever they have to do, good or bad, in secrecy, without drawing attention to themselves. 
that's why. All right, let's take another question. And oh, righty. Well, I think this is going to have to be our last one then. Um, oh, dear. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> this is from Manuel in Seattle, who asks, I am not sure you will want to answer this on your podcast, but I would like to know what you consider to be the truth about the man they call Jesus. I think it's drinky poo time, darlings, don't you? Excuse me while I sip. Hmm. All right. Okay, uh, Manuel, I have no problem answering your question on this podcast. I can only share the truth as I understand it, and I'm not afraid to do so. Our world is propped up on a mountain of half-truths and topped with outright lies. And at some point, peeps are going to have to put on their big person panties and walk away from these myths that have propped up the insanity we see around us today. Rather than give you my own version of this, um, I'm going to, where's my little book on this? Um, I'm going to quote directly from a conversation Suzanne Ward Matthew Ward's Earth Mother had with the God of our universe. Uh, I think this is a, about 20 years ago or so. Uh, I'm going to quote directly because there is nothing in this I disagree with and I have nothing to add for it um, and I see no reason to paraphrase. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to read it slowly because God's phrasing is very different to mine and it would be terribly insulting not to God but I would feel that I was insulting God in some way if I didn't do this properly. So here we go. This is a direct quote from Illuminations for a New Era by Suzanne Ward. So, just like Manuel asked me, Susie had asked God to talk to her about Jesus's life, and this was God's response. Good morning, Susie, and of course I will answer. There was indeed a man named Emmanuel, whom you call Jesus, and therefore I shall hear, who was born to be one of my major messengers to earth. However, the story about him as related in the Bible is not the same as his life. His life was by pre-birth agreement, just as was yours, Matthew's, and all souls who incarnate for the same purpose, to remember who I am and who each of you is. Therefore, his life has the same significance as all others, but with one great difference. Jesus had the conscious awareness of his mission, and he lived more closely to this agreement than almost all the other souls ever born on earth. Therein is the big difference between that son of mine and all my other children, except those few souls whose agreements also included the same Christed realm origin and mission as Jesus's life to carry my message to earth. Jesus was born by the same means as all other human babies, the union of father and mother. That is a good method, so why not? His divinity as my child did not require a star in the East to proclaim his birth nor did his life require the supernatural attachments that are heralded in the book revered by many, the Bible. Most of the fanciful happenings that book attributes to Jesus, to include that most unusual means of his conception and even his mother's and that manger birthplace, not to mention his resurrection, are not so. The story was made up to suit the aim of the church leaders, 
to distance Jesus far above all other souls on earth. And by intent, that distance me from my children as well. The deception and corruption then was not much different from now. Greed and desire to control others seems to have no end. Never would I set apart one of my children above another, and nor did Jesus do that because he knew the oneness of all. Susie, several years ago, you heard from one of your high sources that Jesus wasn't meant to die on the cross, and in fact, he did not. That was quite a jolt to you. You didn't want to include that in the book and did so with great reluctance because those were the instructions you received from a source you identified as the council, but it was I, your God, who pushed that on you. Actually, Jesus was never put on a cross at all. By order of the Sanhedrin, he was flogged and banished from the country. In the eyes of those who ordered that, to make him a martyr would give greater impact to his message, whereas getting rid of his presence would eliminate his influence on the populace, or so they thought. But the influence lingered, so they proceeded to distort his message and make up others that would achieve their own objectives. And in time, those falsehoods became Christianity's recorded story of Jesus. What actually happened is that with Mary, his wife, Jesus left that area and returned to the east, where he felt safety for his family. He lived a much more earthly life than your Bible version portrays. Why would he not have married the woman he loved? Why would he not have enjoyed sexual relations with her and had children to love and nurture? Why should he not have moved where he wished, done what he wanted, studied what he wished during his long lifetime? None of those natural human desires diminishes the importance of his message one iota. His teachings were heeded by some, ignored by many, and despised by those whose control he shattered with his revelations. Those true revelations were shrouded in mystery, to say this more mildly than the deliberate falsehoods they were. His true message was clear, it was simple and forthrightly expressed. Furthermore, it was clearly understood. His message was given to him by me, but it did not reach you as I intended. The Bible eliminates many of his teachings and distorts others by efforts of the kingpin of changes, the Vatican itself, as the primary mover and shaker of the deceit that long ago replaced the original records. You are only beginning to see the lies that have been established to serve the purposes of the forces that wish to rule the universe. Yes, the dark forces, as Matthew calls them, are very, very real. I don't call them that myself, but rather the disserving ones of my flock. However, by any designation, their intentions have been the same, power and control, and their goals have been thwarted in the same way, by love and by light. Child, would you question beyond this? And of course, Susie always has another question, so she responds, God, considering the importance of your message to earth, 
why have you let the distortions go on this long? And God replies, two words, free will. All right, more words, not my free will, but my having to observe creator's law of free will in all of my children's use of it. I'm speaking of those who cause the distortions and those who freely believe without reservation what is in the Bible. With so much of what you call evil in your world that the Bible claims started in the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, is it not logical to question if the true word might have been strategically changed during the millennia that passed since Jesus' teachings? Is it not logical to question if those who wrote about Jesus but did not know him got the stories about his teachings exactly right? Is it not logical to question as the records that became the Bible were interpreted and the versions translated if those who worked with the material may have expanded or deleted portions to reflect their own beliefs? Is it not logical to question why the word of God would be the basis for killing each other to uphold the very same word? Susie, I could go on with this, but to what avail? The situation is what it is. Millions of my children believing the lies. And as long as they do, they do not know me or my son, Jesus. Susie then asked about Jesus performing miracles. And this is God's response. Calling the miracles is what created the distancing. And it was not Jesus who did that. He knew exactly how he was enabled to do what he did. And furthermore, he told the multitudes that they could learn it too. His awareness of his pre-birth agreement led him in his early years out of public view to areas in the East where there were teachers of the ancient arts of levitation, directing kinetic energy, vision beyond your vision, hearing beyond your hearing, and healing without tools and medicines. These master teachers had not perverted the truth of this innate capacity that is in all of my children as their birthright. Through them, the masters, Jesus learned to use his mind far more greatly than most others. And with his fascination for developing the capabilities he saw in them, he practiced and he practiced. He had no more innate capacity to learn than other souls, but most had put constraints upon their minds and didn't even think how much more they could produce and achieve than what they saw around them. Those who banished Jesus did so because they knew this truth that every soul has the same innate capacity as he did. They could not deny what so many had seen, so they made the feats unique to Jesus and kept the truth suppressed to retain their power over the people. Thus, the reports of the miracles are sketchy in today's Bible, again, by design. 
enough to create the distance of the mystery, not enough to show that constantly there were incidents in which Jesus amazed people. However, those incidents were recorded by people who profited directly, people who witnessed them, and people who were told firsthand about them, but those records are not in your Bible. With very few exceptions, people today are continuing in that same limiting belief that Jesus came to dispel. Susie then asks if Jesus and his family went on to France and if the French royalty, the French royalty, was descended from him. And this is God's response. Okay. Yes, and there are records that prove this too. But as you can surmise, producing them would cause quite a stir in many circles. However, Susie, the French royalty of recent years is not the same lineage as the beginning royalty stemming from Jesus' descendants. What changed is by intent of the darkness, to state it simply, and surely by now, my child, no surprise to you. Ah, my child, I see you have another question. And Susie asked if the people will ever know the truth about Jesus. And God replied, I cannot say whether the truth will be revealed soon, but most assuredly it will come forth. That truth, like other truths, must again be revealed so that purity upon my very own Eden will be restored. But to answer your exact question, Will people ever know the truth? Will they open their hearts to the truth is the question. The truth of everything is being given left and right, and it is being obscured and attacked by those whose power will be gone forever if they cannot stop the steady progression of questioning of self and truth and discovery among the people of earth. This is the time of true revelations, dear child. That is the purpose of your work with Matthew and the others who have given you messages for the book. So that's how I've chosen to answer your questions. There are many people who believe um, other stories, obviously. Uh, there are many people who really are married to this unique specialness the fact that a prophet has to be absolutely special. Um, this entire thing about being special goes against the equality of the vibration of creation, which we call unconditional love. So many of us in our younger years would question our scripture teachers and go, excuse me, miss, excuse me, miss, that doesn't make any sense. Um, if Cain and Abel were, and if, oh, so did they sleep with them? How did the, I did, and we were always shut down. This is the truth. This is the word of God. And, you know, probably made to go stand in a corner or, or beaten up in some instances for daring to question the official narrative. And, you know, guess what's happening now in the world? It's just an extension of that. I know that it's going to be massive when people realize that the truth that they worshipped about a certain individual is a pack of lies. 
But don't blame God for the mistakes of religion, okay? Religion is a human construct. Humans are a divine construct. And that book, even though it was written 22 years ago, Illuminations for a New Era, is available from MatthewBooks.com, and it's got a lot of goodly stuff in it. So go and pick up a copy, and pick up a copy, and uh, and pick up all the other books on that website too, because you know you've got to look at stuff from multiple angles. We need refreshment, and an alternative point of view provides that. And you know, on that note. I once again urge all the people who live in the light to keep pointing out the truth, to keep questioning, to keep researching. We're all in pain. It's painful to see your friends lining up to commit slow, painful suicide. It is painful to see once vibrant personalities transformed into propaganda parrots squawking and hawking the latest run of establishment lies to all and sundry. But oh well, as God says, it's a free will universe. So darlings, what can we do but center ourselves in spirit and employ as much dignity and decorum as possible while we become the human version of the mosquito in the tent? I think we've all realized by now that many of our friends are not going to change their minds, even if they know they've done the wrong thing or worshipped the wrong thing or bought into the, you know, bought into a, a narrative that's clearly carefully crafted propaganda. But the ego is so powerful. It's so powerful within us. It makes itself powerful because it knows it's just smoke and mirrors. It knows it doesn't even exist. It's just a miasma of our own insecurities. And it will do anything to keep us wallowing in mediocrity. Hmm. Well, there we are. There's that. And now I think we have a little bit of time for... Hang on, hang on. Where's my kazoo? Tarot a go, go. A little what the heck with your favorite tarot deck. Where's my deck? Hold on, don't go away. Ah, oh, there it is. Okay. And today's card, my darlings, is the Nine of Pentacles. So let's pick up this bad boy and see what it has to say. And it's a lovely card. I love pentacles. They're giant gold coins. Who doesn't love a big gold coin? So when we look at this in the upright position, we have an elegant lady with a falcon or a hawk, some sort of predatory bird on her left hand. She's standing in the garden and behind her is a beautiful wrought iron gate with nine beautifully carved gold pentacles. And she's well dressed. And the whole card gives me a feeling of serenity. I don't think she's some rich bloke's wife, though. I get a really strong feel. I mean, her husband may be rich. How wonderful would that be? But I, I get a strong sense of self-reliance here. She's a self-sufficient woman. She has attained mastery. This is definitely about money, success, material stuff. 
Um, she's enjoying, I would say, the fruits of her labors. She's done well. She's a refined lady. She doesn't mind being alone. She's probably quite sociable too, but she doesn't mind being alone. This, um, this success of hers, it's, it's well-deserved. It really is. So what am I feeling? Um, anything to do with money. It could be a good return on investment. It could be an inheritance. Um, real estate investments. I get the impression that whatever financial decisions you make are going to go well for you because you have mastery over your resources. You, you understand how it works. Um, and you're somebody who just enjoys the fruits of their labor. She's in a garden. Um, I'm not going to say she's outdoorsy necessarily, but she definitely enjoys nature. And she knows. She's speaking to me now. <laughs> she's speaking to me now. And she knows that money can't buy you love. Yeah. This is a lovely lady. Um, there she is. Enjoying the finer things in life. Looking at her beautiful, well-kept garden. Yeah, self-worth. Hmm. Let's turn it upside down and see if the spell is broken. <laughs> oh, I don't like that. Yeah, here we go. We have turned her upside down or in the challenged position. As tarot sticklers would call it. Um, well, you're not going to get a good return on your investment this way around. Unwise decisions. You're going to lose. You made some poor choices. You risked too much. Unexpected bills. Things coming at you. Unexpectedly. Um, it's like it's almost as if your wealth is a burden and you didn't manage it properly. Also get the impression that whatever success you have is built on shaky ground. And of course, depending on the rest of the spread and the rest of the cards that are there, um, it could all be coming down and you could have some very, very serious problems. Um, when this comes up, in the reverse position also, in my experience, um, you want to take a look at your financial team and the people who manage your money and the people who distribute your money. Um, a little bit of dishonesty, deceit generally comes into play when this card is in the reversed position. So that's the Nine of Pentacles, a beautiful card. I'm going to turn it back upside down. Ah, yes, and now my lady is at peace. All right, well, I think I have time very quickly for a little pat of poetry. And usually I read you my crazy poetry, but today I'm going to do you a favor and read from Ogden Nash. Ogden Nash, one of my favorite poets, born 1902 in Rye, New York. I like him because he wrote quirky poetry and I like quirky things. Here's a little something from Ogden Nash. There is a knocking in the skull. An endless silent shout of something beating on a wall and crying, let me out. That solitary prisoner will never hear reply. 
No comrade in eternity can hear the frantic cry. No heart can share the terror that haunts his monstrous dark. The light that filters through the chinks no other eye can mark. When flesh is linked with eager flesh and words run warm and full, I think that he is the loneliest then, the captive in the skull. Caught in a mesh of living veins, in a cell of padded bone, he loneliest is when he pretends that he is not alone. We'd free the incarcerate race of man that such a doom endures. Could only you unlock my skull or I creep into yours. Ha ha ha. Yes, my darlings, we're not very good with self-honesty, are we? That's why we don't have telepathy on this planet. We are afraid to share the contents of our minds with our own selves, let alone with other people. A very nice little poem by Ogden, but certainly not one of his happiest ones. Ah, oh my God, my darlings, I think we're doing it again. We've done it again. I'm finished my drink. Hang on, there's a little tiny bit left. Wait, wait, wait. Mm, that was lovely. Now I have finished my drink. And that always means the end of the show is coming up. I do hope you enjoyed listening in as much as I enjoyed recording it because I have a blast. It is my absolute pleasure to join with you every other Wednesday, all you like-minded people and my beloved martini heads. I love you all. Before we go away, let me reveal today's real life cocktail because it was amazing, people. It was a classic Mai Tai, which I think is Tahitian for out of this world, and it is out of this world. And let me tell you how to make it. Two ounces of light rum. I just had some Bacardi on hand. One ounce of dark rum. I used Kraken. One ounce of creme d'almond, which is an almond liqueur. Uh, not as bad as it sounds. One ounce of triple sec a little bit of sweet and sour mix, and some pineapple juice. Pour the light rum, the cream of almond, triple sec, in that order, into a Collins glass. Top it with equal parts of pineapple juice and sour mix. Add the dark rum on top and serve it unstirred. It is delicious. And remember, folks, cocktails are groovy if they are an occasional treat. You're all drinking too much these days. You're all too depressed. If you use top quality ingredients and take the art of mixology seriously, one drink is all you need. I am Ani, quite tiddled, mad shaman avidician. This was Metaphysical Martini, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio, to whom we are most grateful. Until we meet again, take the red pill, stay chill, and let the spirit inhabit the human. You have been listening to The Metaphysical Martini with Ani Alphadesian, The Mad Shaman, a production of CosmicReality.com. Thank you for listening to Cosmic Reality Radio. We appreciate your support. Please visit our sponsor, at mysticalwares.com for a huge selection of metaphysical products, gifts, candles, incense, and one of the largest Shungite collections available. Cosmic Reality Radio is sponsored by Mystical Wares Online Store, where coupon code SAVE10 will get you 10% off your entire order. 
at mysticalwares.com.